Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Open Forum podcast. Today we have with us Professor Bob DeWitt, a Professor of Strategic Leadership at the Naya Road Business University, founder and owner of Strategy Works and Strategy Academy, as well as publishing multiple books and articles including Strategy and International Perspective, published in multiple countries, used in multiple universities the world over. But Bob, it's lovely to have you here. And you've given your unique take of strategy and what it is that's going on in the world in your fantastic book, Society 4.0. Um, why don't you take a couple of minutes to introduce yourself and then we'll go from there. Yeah, well, you gave a nice introduction. So uh, my whole life, I combine uh, practical uh, things like uh, advising companies with an uh, academic uh, position. So I'm a professor of city leadership. And I do that for uh, for a very long time. Um, and actually, my field is to understand the future. That's where the word strategy comes from. Um, and yeah, if you want to understand the future, you have to be, well, multidisciplinary, as they call it, because sometimes the future related to economics and then technology and then politics. Uh, so, you know, you need to have, you need to be very multidisciplinary. Uh, and I did it for a very long time. And indeed, what you said, you know, I wrote a book, uh, an academic book, that's being used in uh, 75 countries, which is called Strategy, an international perspective. Uh, also translated into a couple of uh, languages, including Chinese. So I'm uh, quite well known in my own academic field. Um, and basically what happened is that in 2011, um, that yeah, uh, my, my, my professional field changed a little bit. And that was because of the publication of a book from Jeremy Rifkin called The Third Industrial Revolution. So basically what he said is, uh, well, first we had uh, steam and then oil and now computers. Uh, basically, that's that's what he is uh, arguing. And from the beginning, I had a sort of intuition that something was not right. Um, but, you know, I didn't know what it was. And that took until 2015. In 2015, uh, then I had to I was to preparing a, a public lecture. Uh, and then suddenly I understood what was not right about Jeremy Rifkin. Uh, and and my, my, my speech was called On the Eve of a Societal Revolution. So basically what I said, as from 2015, is, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, in the, in, in the, on the eve of a fundamental change of our society, much more fundamental than Jeremy Rifkin said. Well, and that was the beginning of, um, well, years of giving presentations in many countries uh, with this message. Uh, and waiting until something would happen. And that was in the beginning of 2020. Well, you remember, probably, uh, there were intel okay. intelligent uh, lockdowns. Um, and then from that moment, on, I thought, well, this could be the beginning of what I'm saying for a couple of years now. Um, so I tried to falsify myself. That's what you do as a scientist, <clears throat> uh, which was uh, not successful. And then I knew, no, this is the beginning of a societal revolution. There will be one revolution, there come more crises. And this is the beginning of a fundamental change. Well, and that was the beginning of writing my book, Society 4.0. Uh, when, I, when I explain, you know, the time that we live in on one and the other, uh, give a vision of how the future might look like, basically. Okay. Uh, and uh, just to clarify, when Bob said he tried to falsify himself, uh, what he means there is to prove the negative in that instance. Uh, to see if it was possible to disprove the the theory, yeah. if anyone was uh, a bit confused there. Um, so basically, the long and short of it is we're on the precipice of a societal revolution, is what you're yeah. saying. And yeah. obviously, the title of the book is Society 4.0. So we've gone through these societal upheavals in the past. And I think 
upheaval is probably a good word to use is something you've said multiple times in other interviews and in your book is that as you move from one society to the next there's going to be periods of instability of uncertainty of people wanting to hold on to the things that gave them the power that they have in the society as it stands could you maybe give us a brief sort of overview of what the prior societies were, what it was that changed, and fundamentally then, what is it that we have to look to going forward? Yeah, well, it's it's called Society 4.0 because the fourth time we go to a different kind of society, and that's where the name comes from. Uh, for over 3,000 years, we have lived in a society in which the most important way to make money is to have land. Because a society is always organized to the primary source of economic value creation. You know how you make money, eh, to be simple. So over 3,000 years, we had a society in which a small group of landowners were rich and powerful. And most of the people were powerless and, and poor. Basically, that's what it was. <clears throat> and so for 3,000 years, people thought that this was the only way to organize a society. Uh, even it went back to the old Greeks, because the Plato said, you know, the only way to uh, to make important decisions about of, uh, about the society is to put the decisions in the hands of the powerful and the rich, yeah? because they have uh, they know how to do that. Normal people cannot do that. Hmm. So this was for three thousand years. Uh, so you can imagine that after three thousand years, people thought, well, this this will be forever, hmm. and still there came a change. And it's, I'm happy to say that uh, the Netherlands, the country that I, I come from, uh, was very important in that. And that has to do with our uh, geography, our location. Uh, the Netherlands is well located on the mainland. So we have a lot of mainland in Europe uh, and also on the sea. And the Dutch had a very long maritime tradition. And what happened is that more and more uh, trade become more important than land ownership. And what happened is that they came a number of trade cities. And in the trade cities, the landowners, well, they were not so powerful anymore. Now, what happens in a lot of countries, uh, for example, uh, uh, Singapore, Monaco, uh, they were also trade cities and they became city states within the old system. <clears throat> but in the Netherlands, that was not possible for two reasons. Uh, one is there were too many uh, trade cities, uh, not one or two, but there were many, you know, Rotterdam, Amsterdam, Enkhuizen, Zwolle, there were many trade cities, too many. And the second is they also had to cooperate against the water because water is the main enemy of the Netherlands. And then there was a moment that they said, you know, we don't want this anymore. Um, and at that time, uh, King uh, Philip II of uh, Spain was the king of the Netherlands. And then we have an act of abandonment. And we said to uh, Philip II, thank you for your, for your services, but we're going to do it differently. Then we actually, we abandoned uh, the old system. We left the feudal society. We left the, the society that was led by the elite. Then again, what you said, seven years, it was, you know, a lot of unrest. Uh, for seven years, we knew what we did not want, but we did not, not know what we do want. And it took seven years. And after seven years, uh, the Netherlands became a republic. That was a trade republic. <clears throat> so we changed from a feudal system with, uh, with landowners and elites to a more of a citizen society in which the traders were the most important uh, uh, citizens. So we, we, we changed from a top-down society, from the elite, to a more of a bottom-up society led by, by uh, citizens. <clears throat> now, that took 350 years. 
So 350 years, people in the Netherlands thought we all, we always will uh, be a republic trading. And that also came to an end. And that was, and that started in England uh, with the invention of the machine. That was the Industrial Revolution. It started, with, yeah, it started with Spinning Jenny, uh, and, and steam-powered uh, uh, engine. Um, and from there, machines became more important. That, that means that industrial mass production became important, more important than trade. Now, one, one machine doesn't change anything, and not 10 and, and 100 and 1,000, but at some point, industrial mass production became more important than trade. And again, we came in the same situation. This is called the Industrial Revolution. So the whole society had to change. <laughs> now, what happened there is exactly the same forces uh, as before came, because some people want to have, a, again, a top-down society for the elite, <clears throat> and others want to have more power to the, to the people, uh, which is more bottom-up. Now, in the Netherlands, we came from a republic into a monarchy again, which is you know, the sort of victory of the elite. Uh, and at the same time, there came some kind of democracy, and that is the voice of the people. So the industrial society was actually a combination of uh, of the two. Now, if you see now uh, what are the largest companies in the world, uh, these are not industrial companies in, anymore. So industrial mass production is not the most important source of economic value creation. Uh, the largest companies are tech companies, finance, uh, food, and uh, pharmaceutical companies, which means that, again, as I predicted, we are in the middle of a change from industrial society to society 4.0. That's basically what I what I describe. Yeah, and for me, one of the important facets of that is that when you have these companies that look to be economically stronger than the individual nation states, this is something that you've pointed out before. If we look at a Google or an Amazon, yeah. their value is then more than most countries, than what yeah. most countries can provide, what their GDPs are. Yeah. Then you get into a situation where the companies have more power over the interests of the individual country, the individual nation states. So if a company like Amazon or Google decides that they're going to leave the United States or they're going to leave their offices in the UK, that's going to have a massive impact. So those countries are going to do what they can to uh, massage the ego of or do whatever it takes to keep those companies there and let them essentially rule the roost in essence. Uh, you see it with the lobbyists in the US, and the US is a very easy way to to look at this from the outside because of the fact that their process, as opaque as it is, is quite transparent in that everyone knows that the lobbyists in the US have power and those lobbyists work for the interests of the corporate uh, entities. But one of the important aspects here is you mentioned that the Dutch went from a republic back into a monarchy. Um, one of the beautiful things of a republic, which we spoke about on the phone, is the fact that you have a constitution and that constitution is supposed to um, enshrine the rights of the citizenry of that country. Now, this is something that's obviously been lost to time. And when you get to a position like we're in now in a democracy, you mentioned already the situation that we've had in the last two to three years with uh, the coronavirus situation and the impacts that that had had on society. What we saw in a democracy is that the rights of the individual can be infringed upon. So as we step into this society 4.0, is there anything that we can 
do to try to re-enshrine the rights of the individual despite the fact that society 4.0 which i'm sure we're going to get onto is going to be looking at things in a much bigger perspective than an individual nation state it's it's an important factor to keep in mind yeah this is a very important factor because uh, so far uh it's also if, if as a company you want to do business in england uh, you have to adapt yourself and and accept the laws uh, and the regulations in the United in in the United Kingdom. Uh, but now the companies are larger than countries. That's that's a completely new situation. Uh, so uh, the Facebooks and all the largest companies there are larger than countries, larger than the Netherlands, larger than the UK, larger than France, larger than. You know. And in my book, I call them corporate states mm. because so far uh, we have always been working with countries making decisions. But now countries are relatively small and weak. And we have com companies, I call them corporate states. Uh, they work at a global level, not at a national level. Uh, and they're much more powerful and, and rich than, than countries. So the power balance has changed completely. And there's another factor which is important, uh, which is that most of the issues uh, that we are facing cannot be solved at a national level. If we talk about the climate or we're talking about healthcare or we tell all kind of uh, or energy, uh, all the things that we're talking about, what can you do as a country? You know, you, you, you're not at the global level. So there needs to be something at the global level. Now, the last hundred years, um, we have seen a growth of NGOs, non-governmental organizations. And the non-governmental organizations, they are focusing on one domain, can be energy or, or health or, you know, whatever. Uh, 100 years ago, there were 400 NGOs. At this moment, there are 40,000 NGOs. So you could say there are 40,000 ministries at the global level. <clears throat> now, there are a couple of problems with that. Uh, the first is these NGOs are no democracies. Yeah, these, are, these are activists, basically, uh, very often funded with, uh, with money from, from companies. Um, and a lot of those NGOs also work very, very closely uh, with, uh, with those corporate states, with the companies, because they combine their interests. One wants to be rich and the other one wants to be powerful. And that's a sort of combination uh, that, uh, that you can expect. And so far, is there one thing we have not done in the last hundred years, which is thinking about democracy at the global level. There is no democracy at the global level. You know, there's very indirect democracy from the Netherlands to Europe, but at the global level, there's no democracy. So if powerful and rich parties work together in their interest, without the feedback of citizens, how do you want to, uh, to have a society, then something goes wrong. And, and you see that in a number of fields, not all of them, you know, because most people uh, are, are okay, most NGOs are okay, most companies are okay, but history has always been dependent on those people or companies or countries that are not okay. And that's basically what's happening now. Yeah? So some of them uh, have gone on the pathway. There is no uh, um, uh, democratic feedback. Uh, and that's where things, uh, things go wrong. So uh, the uh, corona crisis uh, is more of a crisis that gets control over people. Uh, there will also be a climate um, uh, crisis, crisis. Uh, as yeah. you know. Yeah. So there will be... A, Another lockdown, you know, with climate, a climate lockdown. India has already started those, with, yeah. It's yeah. nothing to do with healthcare. It's nothing to do with the climate. This is about that are people who want to, to form a new society at the global level 
which is again like in a feudal society, a sort of feudal uh, top-down society with a small group of powerful and rich um, uh, organizations and uh, and people, uh, with most of the people have no power and, and no money. That's basically what uh, what they're heading at. Um, and you know, I explained that in the industrial society there was also a clash between top-down and bottom-up. Uh, we went back to a monarchy, but also there came some kind of democracy. And the things we need to do, and that's the thing that we try to do as uh, Society 4.0, based on the, the vision in my book, is to build a citizen society. So to, to be to be a factor in which the interests of everyone in society is served. Uh, so and basically what we need to do is reinvent democracy also. So what I did is describe how that future could look like. Uh, we try to to uh, to uh, to mobilize people to stand together um, and therefore and, and then as a sort of counterforce again the top-down society just like in the industrial society we were there reinvent democracy and then uh, together come in some kind of dialogue and invent a new uh, society at the global level so there's a couple points there now you mentioned that there's this um global force that wanted to have control and take control and and yeah. in essence utilization of things like the corona crisis has been a massive massive boon for them if you look there's in the order of three trillion dollars has moved from yeah. the middle class into the upper class of society yeah. and that middle class has shifted down into into the lower class so to speak uh, we've we're seeing a shrinkage of the middle class which is the opposite of what we saw in decades prior where the middle class was then starting to expand people were lifting themselves yeah. up out of necessarily poverty but up out of lower uh, socioeconomic statuses into higher brackets that's really important to to get one's head around however someone who's not aware might turn around and say but bob do you know what the people that are at the top got there because they're good at what they do. So perhaps there is something to uh, this idea of a corporatocracy of a global level um, top-down approach because they've managed to build their companies. And during their reign, so to speak, in individual nation states, we did see nations prosper. So what is it that could so inherently be bad or dangerous about uh quote-unquote reset of a great kind well you know um there are people uh and i go back to plato you know he said you know the big decisions <laughs> has to be taken by the people that uh, are literate and rich and powerful uh he did not believe in the ability of citizens to make the right decisions and there are still people believing that you know there are still people who believe that yeah, I don't believe in democracy because people are stupid. You know, uh, it's better to to let the, the decision being made uh, by the by the people that uh, that are in power. Yeah? <clears throat> there are people who believe that. You know, I I, I don't have an opinion about that. Uh, it's not my preference. You know, because I believe in the in the wisdom of the crowd. I, I believe in the wisdom of the of the people, uh, and therefore I believe in democracy. But you know. Uh, it has always been that our people who believe in top down is the best, and others believe that bottom up is the best. You know that's that's at the at the moment uh, exactly the same. Um, and the the change that we are in, yeah, to society 4.0 is an autonomous uh, development. Yeah, it's not because some people are bad people. 
it it doesn't start there. It starts because industrial mass production is not anymore the most important way to create economic value. And these are the, the the tech, the finance, the pharma, and food companies. These are the most important. So, and then always you get a transformation to a new society. And as always, there are two different perspectives: a top-down perspective and a bottom-up perspective. So I see it as a sort of chess play. And so uh, in this transition, they say we we have to go to a different kind of society. If you believe in a top-down society and you have your interest to have a top-down society, you take a number of steps, just like a chess play. Yeah, you take a number of steps to get there. That that's what they do. Um, and and they started with white because they started in March 2020. So they play a chess play uh, in white. Uh, and I found it interesting how they play. You know, if they take a move, I'm looking at that. Say, hmm, interesting, uh, interesting move. I we play with black. Yeah, so we see what how they move, and we take a counter movement. Um, uh, and and at the end, you know, there will be some kind of dialogue between top down thinking and bottom up thinking, like always. Um, and now at the global level, I don't know where it ends. But somehow we have to combine all the interests of everyone, um, of the citizens, to be a, a serious um, player with uh, with black. Basically, that's what it is. And and what you see is that um, uh, in, in most countries, there has been a very fragile democracy. And you see that in uh, not only in the UK, in the Netherlands, in the, in the US, uh, basically everywhere. Uh, you're referring to, to lobbyists. Well, imagine that uh, in every country, those companies are larger than countries. There's so much money and so much power. And they do that to serve their interest. And they do also do that through politics. So one of the difficult things is that uh, the current democratic system is not fit for the situation that we're in. There is old industrial uh, democracy. Uh, There's so much money and so much interest involved and therefore, politicians get influenced by the lo- lobbyists. You know, in in Europe, uh, every politician has at least two lobbyists. You know, to, uh, which mm. gives them all the information. So that's an example of how we have to go to a different kind of society. That's a, an interesting one there with the lobbyists. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, an ex governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura. He's also an ex Navy SEAL, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. A very prolific uh, man. He flat out refused during his governorship to have any meetings with anyone that was a lobbyist or representative of company X, Y, or Z, purely because he felt that he was there to serve the people rather than uh, corporate interests. And that is the one and only time that I've heard of a politician at least saying no, flat out shutting the door in the face of and working for the citizenry as as it was um but that's jesse ventura that's the us one of the issues that i do see and this isn't even me playing devil's advocate here is a lot of people who vote are voting uninformed they're not voting with knowledge of both the party they're voting for or the people they're voting for or what they stand for if we look at this at a local uh level here in the netherlands BBB, uh, Border for Provoke and Beweging, I think, is the party. People voted for them because they assumed that they were a party that was going to stand up for farmers' rights, purely based on the fact that they they were for farmers, right? That was in the name. 
but then BBB was another acronym for Build Back Better. However, nobody sort of stopped at that moment to look at what policies BBB was looking to make and to bring into play. And actually, when you look at it, they were no different than Mark Rutter's party in the grand scheme of things. So, right, well, but, but, but you know, it's a good example. Uh, in the Netherlands, there was uh, quite a revolution in uh, in politics, you know, and in, in, in the parliament. Um, and yes, that is and that, no. Yeah, yes. well, you know, the, the point is that um, most politicians um, they 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 be, become polit- polit- a politician because they want to have power. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why they do that. Yeah? They, these are opportunistic people normally. There's and, studies and they, done that show most uh, that people in politics have psychopathic tendencies uh, as well, a result well, to gain power. That's, that's yeah, the yeah. Top, but, but you know, power attracts the certain tendencies. They're not psychopaths, but they have the tendencies. And, then, yeah. and in, in their environment, there are all kind of very powerful and rich parties give give them information and also all kind of promises. And most pol- uh, politicians have the tendency to follow, you know, the uh, the traces of power, uh, and that that's what they normally do. Not all of them. You gave the example of that politician in the United States. Not all of them, but most of them do. Uh, the revolution in the Netherlands was that uh, there was so much uh, discomfort uh, with the with the with the current political parties. Uh, I think that eighty percent, eight zero percent of the Dutch did not trust the government anymore, which is an enormous. Uh, this has never happened. And as a sort of counter reaction, uh, they went to another party. Who at least promised, you know, to fulfill the needs of the farmers and of the citizens. Yeah? Farmers is boeren, has a bee, uh, and citizens are burgers, yeah? there's also a bee. Yeah? So that's where BB come from. Um, now you can say that they did not meet up the promises, but so far you see that they have the voice of the people and have the voice of uh, of, of the farmers. And that's again, you know, that, that clash between top down and bottom up. And let's not uh, not forget one thing. If you look in the past, in the in the transition to a new society from society one to society two to society three, and now also society four, um, it takes some time before people understand what's going on. It take uh, it takes some time for the majority to accept we have to go in a transition because most of the people don't want to see it, or they don't want to accept it. Yeah? Um, and there are also always a small people who are sensitive to see that's happening. And they're also open, open for change. And there's also a, always a small group. And that's, that's the small group that makes the beginning of the transition. But the last who sees that something has to change, and the last group who has interest to change that is the current power. Because if you're the current power, you want to stay, you know, you want to sit put. Uh, and for example, uh, after the feudal uh, time uh, with the landowners, uh, there were kings, you know, and and, and emperors and uh, and tsars, you know. Um, they didn't they didn't leave by itself, you know. They have to be kicked out, you know. So the tsars have been murdered, and and some kings have been murdered, or or kings have to to kicked out of the country. And the Netherlands, we we said to uh, Philip II to go back to Spain, you know, we're going to do it ourselves. They never go by itself. And that's it at this situation also. The current politicians don't have an interest to go. Yeah. So you need to find those politicians that, that you're mentioning in the United States. Uh, we have some in analysis too. You know, there are some politicians that don't go for the power, uh, but they're very open to it. Uh, they're strong enough to stand for themselves. They stick to their principles 
And we have to find them in every country because these are the ones who can change the democratic system from the bottom up. And you will see that for the next years will be a battle uh, of different perspectives, where to go to. And what you see is that in every country there will be a small number of politicians standing up and say, hey folks, we have to change. What we're doing now is not good and we have to do it differently. And and th these are the people we have to, to focus on and, and not the majority because, well, we know that the majority of citizens don't, still don't know what's happening. Uh, most of the politicians have no idea what's happening or they have no interest in changing. So we have to do it ourselves. Combine, come with a good vision. And that's what my book uh, Society 4 was meant to. A vision on a hopeful future in uh, of our society. Um, and then mobilize as many people and as many politicians say, okay, we go in a transition, we go to Society 4.0, a different governance system, a different tax system, a different political system, different politi uh, uh, political system, and, and let's move then. And at some point of time, we have to leave the old system and have to start with, in, with a new one. So then, uh, as we mentioned at, at the start of the <clears throat> podcast, we're at the cusp of that societal revolution um we've already mentioned that the society society can go into one of two directions one of which is the sort of elite reset society what you've already mentioned of a global top-down society if you look at the un and the who they're currently trying to amass enough power to be able to enact their own laws and regulations over nation states who are member states and this is something that's continually being voted over for the past year or two what is the other option then that that option that then goes from the bottom up that you speak about in the book yeah well uh, actually you know th this is this is the the other perspective in which we start uh reorganize society from the interests of the citizens now what's very important to understand is that uh the, the importance of the country yeah, as the most important decision making uh level is relatively recent. Yeah, that is that has something to do with the with the upscaling of the industrial production. Uh, because of mass production, companies became bigger and therefore countries became more important. But for most of the history of mankind, countries were not that important. The most important was the region. Uh, if you look at all kinds of regions, then you see there's a very long culture, very long history sometimes even their own uh, language well I, in the uk you have a number of languages with very proud uh, people uh, within uh, within the, the kingdom and uh, the netherlands we have that too um <clears throat> so if you go back to the to the citizens and basically what you do is you go back to the cultural roots of a society which is a region and what you can do is we go to a region um and, and, you know, I give a lot of presentations and if I come somewhere and I tell about the importance of a region and ask them, what is your region? Everyone knows what the region is. You know, there's still for hundreds of years, something thousands of years, a, a pride uh, of their eh, of their language, of their culture, of their history, you know, what they, what they have uh, gone, gone through in history. And if you go back there, then people feel connected again uh, with the most important decisions. So if you want to reorganize society and you want to redesign a democracy, you start in the region. And what you can do, and you can also use all kinds of technology like blockchain technology. <clears throat> you can use blockchain technology for direct democracy. So if it's about their own 
uh, uh, environments of the citizens. Uh, for example, uh, building a bridge or roads or, or houses or farms or so. And most of the things you can organize at the regional level and you can directly involve citizens in making that decision. And you don't need kind of some sort of parties, you know, with all kind of um, yeah, ideas of how society is going to look like and whether it's socialism or capitalism or whatever, you know. These are very abstract um, uh, concepts. Uh, uh, concepts. But if you go back to the most important thing like education, healthcare, bridges and, and, and that kind of thing, you can involve people directly in making those decisions. Now, and what you then can do, uh, if you organize some kind of blockchain-based uh, direct democracy, uh, you can also represent the, the region at a higher level. So, for example, in Europe, you know, you can also redefine Europe as the united Europe of regions. Yeah, And then every region is represented at some kind of European level, uh, in which that representative must be uh, must meet two, two criteria. One is the criteria of uh, integrity, because that's one problem of uh, most politicians, yeah, because of all the power and the money. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them, because of that. Yeah, we, in, in the Netherlands, 80% of the politicians are not be trusted. And that has to do with the integrity. Yeah, and, and the integrity, the lack of integrity is related to power and money, you know, and uncertainty of our time. And the second is, um, so, um, and the second is um, uh, competence. So if you want to represent a region in Europe, you need a number of competences yeah, uh, to, to do that, like uh, negotiation uh, and a number of things that, that you need to, or you need technical skills or uh, it depends what, what you're doing there. So what I did in my, in my newest book, uh, Democracy 4.0, uh, is made a new design for, for democracy uh, based on that the politicians uh, meet criteria of integrity and competence. And if you then, then you have competence uh, integer uh, represents of the public, not of the large companies, but represented of the public. Uh, for example, at the European level or at the UK level, or you know what what kind of level you uh, you want, uh, and that would solve uh, that uh, the issue that we have now. Okay, so it's still a society with politicians, but those politicians are a, a little bit more at the behest of the citizens in the in individual states as it were and then you mentioned the direct democracy as well so it's it's a combination there where through the direct democracy every individual citizen is able to vote again i come back to the idea that citizens don't necessarily know entirely what they're voting for and it's one of the things that can be weaponized as we saw it had been weaponized for things like brexit as we saw that it has been weaponized for the US elections, as we saw that not knowing what you're voting for has been weaponized in the Netherlands as well to ensure that people vote in a particular way. You know, you get an emotional reaction, it causes a more of a visceral reaction out of people and they will do what you want. And one of the big things there is that it's weaponized due to a lack of people's integrity. What would be your suggestion to address that integrity factor then as that will be a fundamental aspect in the creation of a new society yeah well um um 
you know the integrity is very important and what i said you know people can be involved in the things that uh that 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 concerns their their own environment you know like like uh, hospitals and 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 roads and bridges you know that people can can decide for that when it comes to a higher level um uh, like bridge uh, brexit or design these are abstract and they're very complex uh, and people don't know what they're voting for and then they become vulnerable for all kind of information of lobbyists and all kind of other information that put a lot of money uh, in making people believe something yeah? uh, but basically <clears throat> that's not a good good way to do that now the, the system that that um, that that I want to to solve it with is that um, if there's a representative uh, from a region they must meet a public merit score as I call it and um, uh, and uh, public merit scores related to integrity and competence, uh, what I said uh, just before. And what I did is um, I actually took a, an example in, in China uh, for inspiration for my thinking. So uh, the social as you credit know, score. Yeah. In, yeah, in, in China, you have a social credit score that actually started in Singapore uh, as a safety project. Uh, they said, you know, we want that Singapore will be the safest uh, city in the world. Uh, therefore, we have to make sure that uh, all the crooks uh, are at home in the evening, uh, because uh, if we know who the crooks are and we put them at home, then all our children can be safe on the streets. Yeah, basically, that, that's what they were thinking. Now, that has been uh, also adopted by China. And now 2.3 billion Chinese have a social credit score. Uh, and that means that everything that they do uh, is um, yeah is is uh, is part of that score. You know, how you behave, how you drive in, uh, in traffic, uh, uh, how you serve, how you uh, pay, you know, everything that's being done. So you have to earn your citizenship. That's basically what it is. And if you have a high score, well, then you, you can get a passport and a driving license uh, and your children go to school. And if you have a low score, well, you know, passport, no driving license and children cannot go to school. That That's the basic the system over there. Now, what I did um, is I, I turned it around. And I said, you know, here in Europe, we have a different kind of culture. I think that we need to be free. So as citizens, you're completely free. Yeah, unless you spoil it, of course. Yeah, if you if you kill someone, uh, you go behind bars, of course. But normally you're free until proven differently. But if you want to represent the public, then you need to have a high public merit score, which is the reverse from China. So if you want to represent the public, then you have to get all your information, your driving license. You have to, to, to see how you move, who your friends are, if you have a relationship with large companies. Then you have to be very open about everything. So normally you're free, but if you want to represent the public, then you have to go all, in all your information and then you get a score. And with that, <clears throat> and you do that all the time, not only once, but you continue looking at your score. Um, and if someone doubts your integrity, you immediately can, can make a sort of democratic meeting and, and look at the score again. But then you're sure that someone who, um, uh, who represents Scotland, for example, uh, uh, which is a Scottish force, uh, that's a Scottish with a high public merit score. Uh, and they represent uh, Scotland, in, as for example, in, uh, in Europe. Then you're sure that these people are not... Uh, being um, um, manipulated by money and by power and by all kinds of other things. That was my that was my score. So actually, I used the the social credit score in China as a as an inspiration. 
but then reverse it basically yeah, that that's yeah. that's it and if you want to be free don't become a politician and don't forget that a politician now it has maybe i don't know how it's in england but and now it has a lot sort of a negative uh you know connotation are you a politician you know oh, negative <laughs> but you know don't forget that there must be people who making decisions for the public good yeah that's what a politician is doing and 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 if you do it right and you have the right system then you select politicians making the right decisions for the public yeah and and we need those people but we need to change the system huh? that because a certain system always attracts a certain kind of people so if you make a good system you attract good people if you have a corrupt system you attract corrupt people that's how it works fair enough and i think that yeah explains how we have the politicians that we have today uh again looking at the us the amount of corrupt politicians that are walked in and out of both the senate and the the white house um if you look at someone like nancy pelosi she's a multi-millionaire despite being on a politician's salary it's ridiculous but yeah, but you know, the, again, the, but, we, we always look at people. Eh? People are not good. Eh? They're corrupt no. people. But what I'm saying is that a corrupt system attracts those people. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and these these people, they're you know, it's not their fault. They're taking advantage of the system that they yeah, have to yeah, play with. You know, yeah. they can only play with the ball that they've got on mm. the court. Yeah, yeah. That's but it. the one thing that scares me with this idea, this notion of using the social credit score, is I think it's a bit simplistic the way that you've described it as it pertains to the Chinese. There are people there that they might have littered. And as a result of that, they can no longer buy a train ticket or something as innocuous as that has now led to massive complications for the rest of their life. They might not be able to let their children go to school. It gets to the point where they have public shaming as well. If you were to go to the train station, for example, they have boards yeah. up on the walls that are pointing out who's a good citizen, yeah. who's a bad citizen. And people think that this is outright acceptable. I appreciate that you're trying to flip it so that the general citizenry is okay. The general citizenry can crack on as we are today. And the politicians are the ones that need to be aware of that. However, one of the big things is any tool that can be used for good, we should absolutely look at where the negatives are and how it can be used in a negative light and how there may be ways around it. You've mentioned blockchain as a method for direct democracy. If we were to use something like blockchain for politicians' uh, oh, communication... It's not the method, it's the technology, but uh, go the, ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the technology through which that we are aware of a politician's messaging that they do between different parties so that we know if they're being honest or not. Eventually, there'll be a way that they can bypass that and find ways to make deals and look like they have a good citizen score but at the same time still work against the citizenry that i feel like it's a method that could potentially run into hiccups through its own doing well um first first about china let's not forget that um i don't want to make a system for china because china has a completely different kind of history than than europe don't don't forget that <clears throat> uh and um and 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 so i don't want to advise china what to do because it's their country their culture they know it better yeah what i do is i try to pick up the european culture uh, our own history 
we have a history of fighting for our freedom uh, and having democratic rights. You know that that's that's our past, <clears throat> and from there uh, our work. Um, now, uh, indeed, what you're saying is that uh, every system has weaknesses, uh, and probably my system has weaknesses too. I think it's much better than than the current system, so I think it would be a major improvement. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things is that, you know, uh, is my statement, uh, you know, you can fool most of the people most of the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. Yeah. Uh, so, so once you have a public merit score and someone says, uh-uh, something is not right, you know, here I have information and you bring it in, then you can have a discussion about if that public merit score is okay. And if they are proof and they come with documents or, you know, statements or whatever, um, then, yeah, that changes the merit score. And that also can mean that that person is not representing uh, that region anymore. It's a much quicker and better director way of getting feedback from the public on that public score. Is it perfect? Probably not. Uh, is it much better? I, I believe so. It, it's, much, it's much better than that. Okay. So that's the political aspect where we don't then have to give away our sovereignty, as it were, to be it NGOs or uh, corrupt governments. There's another element to Society 4.0 as well. There's the what's going to happen with the citizenry as one of the things that is occurring, one of the things that is pushing us forward towards this revolution is or upheaval. The fact that AI is becoming such a big factor is the fact that technology is becoming such a big factor. So there's also that thing that oh, goes yeah. next to it. What is the impact that that's going to have? Because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be out of a job. This conversation could be done by two AI bots soon enough. Uh, you could probably find people able to do mine in your day job, people, computers able to do mine in your day jobs. This is this is exactly why is it so important to make a better society with a better democracy? Because um, in 2030, probably have heard about the Agenda 2030. Mm -hmm. And most people don't understand what the Agenda 2030 is. But 2030 is the moment when people expect that AI will surpass humans. Yeah. So why are there 8 billion people on the planet? Not because we're stronger or we run faster, because we're more intelligent. So the reason, and so because we are more intelligent than than rabbits uh, and zebras, makes that we have take over, taken over the world. That's the reason. But in 2030, uh, there will be um, life, can be artificial life. Uh, I come to that later. Uh, but there comes some, some kind of intelligence surpassing human beings. Then and they can go to an IQ of 300. You know, if the average human has 100, uh, then artificial intelligence can have an IQ of 300. You know, then the distance between humans um, and uh, and ants will be the same as between artificial intelligence and humans. Yeah. That is happening in 2030, and we already see that happening now. Yeah, I, I follow this trend already for 20 years, so I I, I knew it was coming. Um, and what we can do with artificial intelligence uh, is, and then in 2030, eh, when it surpasses humans, you can combine with robots. <clears throat> eh, we call that humanoids. But also happening for Neuralink, a new company from Elon Musk, uh, they're preparing to upgrade some people 
to an IQ of 300. So you make a sort of hybrid um, between humans uh, and technology. Uh, we call that cyborgs. So as from 2030, there will be humanoids and cyborgs. Now, the question is then, who is going to decide in 2030 what to do with it? And you can imagine that if you have an, an intention of having a top-down society from the global level, <clears throat> from a number of NGOs and large companies, well, you know, who they want to make the decisions. They say, you know, that elite of rich and, uh, and, uh, and, and powerful people, they make the decision what to do with those hybrid, uh, humanoids and, and cyborgs. <clears throat> mm. And the people, well, they are just slaves. You know, they have to listen to us. And what we say is, you know, technology, this, this is an autonomous development. Uh, the same with uh, nuclear energy. Yeah, nuclear power is also very powerful uh, and very dangerous. Uh, but how did we make the decisions? Yeah, um, and at the end, we 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 found a way to curb that uh, that kind of uh, danger. Here, what we do is we go back to nature, we go back to citizens, we make decision which is good for the planet, good for the people, and then you can make use of artificial intelligence in a positive way, just that way that you can use uh, nuclear energy in a positive way, and you can make bombs with it. You know, that's the difference. And here's exactly the same. Here, what you can do is people with brain damage, uh, you can you can help them, you know, to function again. But that's the importance of what's happening. In 2030, we need to have a different kind of society at the global level uh, and at the regional level. And we need to have a new democratic system. And we have to make the decisions what to do with those technologies, with artificial intelligence by 2030. And 2030 will be the most important year in the history of mankind one thing that's really important what you brought up there is the elon musk factor people looked at elon as a savior as someone who provided free speech back on twitter as someone who is going to help push humanity but as you mentioned elon musk is in charge of Neuralink. elon musk does believe in transhumanism in this idea of upgrading the human being and no one really knows what that is going to mean in the long term. Or if we take the implant, for example, will we still have free will or will we think we have free will, but our ideas and our notions are pre-programmed into said chip? As this idea of transhumanism in and of itself is also quite dangerous. Now, you mentioned in your book, Sapiens 1.0, us, Sapiens 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, etc., as we go through that from designer babies at Sapiens 2.0 utilizing CRISPR technology uh, to eliminate certain genes or improve on certain genes or 3.0 with uh, things like chips or 4.0 where we become that cyborg, as we move through those different levels, yes, there's the element of artificial intelligence, but are we not going to lose that human element? And people like Elon Musk are almost pushing us towards losing that uh, human element. And again, coming back to this idea of him being a savior he's recently appointing someone uh who's a wef a known world economic forum person into the ceo position of twitter and he pushes the idea of transhumanism of this upgrade of society etc the only big positive there is that he also believes we're heading into a societal collapse so we need more people but aside from that a lot of his ideas are also something to be weary of well, you know, again, uh, the development of artificial intelligence and autonomous development, if you like it or not, you know, this happening. It's anyway. happening. 
Yeah. It's happening anyway. Now, uh, at this moment, we have no good uh, decision-making structure, no governance structure uh, to decide what to do with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now uh, we have a, an undemocratic or not well-functioning uh, democratic, democratic system making decisions. And and some people pop up, you know, especially in the tech world. Uh, um, if you talk about Microsoft or the, you know, uh, or Meta or the, uh, <clears throat> or Amazon, these are rich and they are powerful, and they pick up these technologies very quickly. Now uh, you can say from Elon Musk what you want. Um, uh, I give him the benefit of the doubt uh, at at this moment, um, and you, you cannot say, you know. Uh, don't uh, establish Neuralink because if he doesn't, someone else does. You know, so yeah. yeah? Uh, and what? And, and, and I've I've looked at Elon Musk a couple of times, and he uh, he acquired um, uh, Twitter, and he uh, and uh, yeah, and he went brought in the open uh, how Twitter was um, uh, censoring people. You know, he gave all the Twitter files uh, in which we learned a lot. Now I think. Uh, he, he didn't have to do it, you know. He could also say, okay, the Twitter, that, that's it, you know. But he he, he bought it, you know. He, he invested a lot of money in that because he found it important to have uh, open information and he, he didn't like censorship. But then, now, I can tell you there were a number of other people who had made had made different decisions. So, you know, so it's autonomous decision, uh, the, uh, the, uh, autonomous development. And I think Elon Musk is uh, is not uh, the worst of all. I think uh, that that he put his uh, uh, his uh, his, um, his position on that. And um, and one thing is very important to understand, which is we have to change as a human being. We have to do that. We have to go to a higher level, <clears throat> because in the industrial age, you know, uh, we have become sort of yeah uh, robots from flesh, you know. We have became we became machines, you know, working, and uh, we even called humans human resources, yeah, as if we are just production factors, and that's it. Uh, and also, if you look at the thousands of years of humanity, we have been thinking about, you know, the purpose of life, uh, how to get uh, harmony with nature and with uh, higher spirits and all that, you know. Uh, we have always been that, and in the industrial age. Uh, we became more of, uh, yeah, let's say human resources uh, factors in a production factory. You know, basically that's what it was. Now, in 2030, and and, and also the years uh, towards that, you will see that humans are not human resources anymore because all that work is being taken over by technology, which means that we don't be a robot anymore, but humans have to be human uh, again. So we go also back to the period where we're thinking about our relationship with higher spirits and with nature and 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 together uh, and make a, a society together from. So we have to to go to a higher level of uh, society. We also have to go a higher level of humans. Yeah? Uh, if I characterize, uh, if I characterize, uh, let's say the the level of humans in the industrial society. Well, that is you know they get a diploma, they get to work, they get an income. For an income, you buy a house uh, and a car. You go three times per year on vacation, and the rest of the year you're sitting, uh, sitting, eating on the couch, uh, eating chips and drinking Coca-Cola uh, for the rest of the year and watching a television program. Well, I, I cannot call that a pinnacle of, of humanity, to be honest. You know. So, uh, and and with the and with the competition of technology that I just mentioned, we are not going to to uh, we are not going to um, uh, to to survive. 
So we have to go to a higher level of humans. Uh, and if you accept that there will be intelligent uh, machines uh, as an alternative for humans, as the most intelligent on the earth, what we have to do is to, to develop and focus uh, on the human side of humans, you know, including the soul, the spirit, uh, uh, humanity, uh, spirituality, if you like. We have to focus on the real issues, uh, and that requires a higher level of, uh, of people. I call that sapiens uh, 4.0, uh, but we have to, to take that step. Now, if we, if we see we are in a crisis, and in the crisis is also uh, an important part of that, um, is to recognize that we have to make that jump as as human being to sapiens 4.0 um, and and to develop ourselves to a higher level and we need a shock yeah because if there's no shock people are not going to move so we need a shock to say ah we have to 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 go to the next level ah we don't have work anymore oh what i'm doing on this planet and then start the process to get to a higher level human being and i think that's the that's the good um uh, news about it. Uh, in the future, we don't have to work, and we will be higher level humans uh, with more more cooperation, more humanity, more spirit, uh, and a better soul. So I think it's uh, it's good news. There's already a mental health crisis going on in the world with people, and and some people feel uh, that one of the reasons for them having mental health issues is the fact that they don't have a purpose on this planet. And for some people, they find their purpose in their work. You know, there's many, many people who, if you were to take their job away, they would spiral massively. Um, what I would say to that is if we get into a position where we don't have as many people who need to work or even have a position to work in society, is that not going to lead to a further mental health crisis because one of the things that has happened as the industrial age has developed is you went from factories of thousands of people to factories with tens of people because robots are doing so much of that work now if you're going to take that from tens of people to zeros of people and everything is uh done by the robots and humans are doing nothing we have a choice of going to that wall-y kind of society, that children's movie from a few years back where humans are no longer using their legs. They're just riding around on hover pods. They're eating uh, chips and uh, Coca-Cola and that's all they do. Or humans that no longer have a purpose. So I think, long story short, my question here is, how can we encourage people to do something productive when there's nothing to strive for? Because if we also don't have a reason to work, how are we going to earn our incomes and earn our positions in society? I work so that I can pay my bills and do things with my family. If I don't have to work, how am I going to get those things? Yeah, well, I agree with you that there's a lot of um, uh, young people mainly uh, who don't know, you know, have all kind of psych psychological problems because of uh, the lack of purpose. I understand that. Uh, at the same time, um, uh, we have to uh, redefine what's important and what the purpose of life is. <laughs> if I if I look at young people, uh, what I see is that, say, well, you know, uh, what you did, uh, work 40 hours uh, a week, uh, go to factory every day and come back, uh, sit uh, watching television. I don't know if that's if that's a good answer to the purpose question, you know, uh, and, and intuitively, you know, they don't want that. 
Yeah, they don't want that. But if you know what you don't want, does not mean that you know what you do want. Yeah, uh, that's the same with a, with a, a society. You know, you don't want that society, but that does not mean that you know know what you want as a society. Now, that's what a lot of young people are in in that middle position. Um, and let's be honest, you know, uh, go to work, get a lot of money, and buy a car. You know. Uh, Young people don't find that most, a lot of young people said, well, that's not my purpose, you know. If I look at my daughter, you know, 24 years, uh, she works two days a week. Uh, then she goes yes. making music. Then she goes uh, talking with uh, with friends, uh, chilling, you know. Yeah. Uh, you see that intuitively, they don't want to step in that machine, you know, in that industrial production machine. They don't want that. Uh, you see that they're looking incrementally, trying to figure out, finding out, uh, what kind of uh, life they do want, and let, let's focus it. And, and let's let's face it, you know, uh, in this planet there are so many things that need to be improved. Yeah, that is the harmony with nature again, uh, and also cooperation within people. You know, the focus on on people's uh, happiness, uh, on health, uh, on you know, on education. There are so many things that have been improved. I don't know it is in your country, but in the Netherlands everything is almost broke. So the whole whole society have to be have to be picked up, and what you see is that uh, there are a number of initiatives here in my country in the Netherlands. Um, uh, one of them is called Agenda Twenty Twenty Nine. Interestingly, um, and they're for young people. And said, "Come on, folks, uh, let's not be depressive. You know, um, let's start working and let's make better worlds. You know the." In the old world, uh, they make it a, a mess and, and, and a lot of uh, uh, spoiling and, you know, and we have to do it better. And, and you see, step by step, you know, they, they will pick up um, and they will define the purpose uh, in their life, not in terms of money or working hard here or, or, or eating chips uh, on the couch yeah, or watching television, uh, but doing purposeful things. And if you want to do purposeful things, then the first thing you need to do is to know what makes you happy as an individual. And that's another thing that needs to be changed because in the industrial society, everyone had to be programmed as robots because they had to go to work, you know? So the individuality and the uniqueness of the individual um, was, yeah, was ignored. Yeah? That was not a good idea. So you get all kinds of people want to be part of a Mars group. Now, in this current society, you need to first dig in yourself. Who am I? What makes me tick? What is the purpose? What are my talents? You know, and how can I, if I first understand my myself, yeah, the highest you can become is yourself, isn't it? So first, if you know who you are, and then step down to to a contribution. And what is not working anymore is having an old um, uh, industrial system uh, and telling the young people to to adapt to that system. You know, and that leads to a sort of a crisis uh, of uh, a cyclical crisis. Uh, what, what the heck am I doing here? So I see that as a part of that transition to a different society with different people, different purpose. Um, and in the coming years, that will be cl more clear to people. Okay, we go for it and build a better world. So then how are people going to trade in this society if they're not going to potentially have a job to, to do? How are people going to be able to to buy things? Or let's say we're sitting in this society in seven years' time. How is it that your daughter is going to be chilling and hanging out with her friends if she hasn't been working two days prior to put some euros together to, to go to the coffee shop? 
Well, the, the old the old system was that um, <clears throat> you go to work, then you get a they get the income, and then you know you you can spend. spend it. It. So that, yeah. That's the old system. Yeah, uh, but you can also say you know um, that also means that the whole monetary system, uh, the the money system, has to has to change. <clears throat> For example, <clears throat> uh, I am very good. Uh, I'm become very happy uh, in helping my neighbor uh, to go shopping. For example, yeah. She is old. She cannot do it herself, and I like to do that. Now, we have <clears throat> we have created a, a capitalistic system in in which the things that are worthless cost a lot of money, and the things that are very valuable uh, are not uh, paid. Yeah. So if I do something for my neighbor, I get not paid, as if that's not worth anything. And if you go to McDonald's, uh, or sorry, you go somewhere to a restaurant and buy a hamburger. Uh, then you have to pay a lot of money for for that for that bullshit. Yeah. So we have we have a, have a different we have a problem with pricing. The value the is moment, not there. Yeah. yeah. And if we are and if we go uh, take the value there, where is real societal value, and we make a monetary system with, for example, a regional currency in which you pay in terms of hours. Yeah. You do tw- ten hours working for someone else, and with that hours you can buy things. Yeah, which requires a different kind of monetary system, kind of different kind of uh, currency, of course. So the whole economic system has to change. But in principle, it's possible. Yeah, uh, it's only that for for most of the the things that are good for society it is not or badly paid for, and the things that are worthless or bad uh, are very uh, good paid for. Now we have to redefine that whole system. This is one of the things that's wound me up in, in I'd probably say, the last decade, looking at people that don't provide any value to society. So if we look at, um, was it Vice News and BuzzFeed have recently collapsed, uh, two uh, quote-unquote news uh, agencies who have collapsed. Now, they were paying their writers tens of thousands of dollars to give nothing back to society and yet you have people who let's say your electrician or your plumber now if they're self-employed they're making a decent bit of paper but otherwise without these people we cannot function who might just be getting by on on your average wage so to speak but we need them inherently for society to function and work your cleaner your cleaner does a hell of a lot more than let's say for example your hairdresser but will happily spend 150 bucks at the hairdresser uh but the cleaner is looked down on in society so i get this idea of what how, you're saying. How, how, how do you know what what the price of a, of a haircutter is <laughs> i i've seen my wife's bill <laughs> um Thankfully, I do this myself. <laughs> uh, but it looked at my hair, you know. I need a haircut, you know. It, it looks great. Yeah, you probably get it coloured every now and then, or uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no. Yeah. Uh, but then, if if we look at that, we're almost creeping back towards a social credit score style of functioning, whereby your value is determined by what you're doing within the rest of society and and that slow creep towards social credit of hey i did this nice thing for my neighbor can i go watch the movies now it's a scary scary concept in some ways i don't know you know uh, there has been a research uh, and and asking people uh, what makes you most happy 80% of the people said if i help someone else that's a basic need, you know. People become happy by 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 helping other people, 
if they also being paid in hours that that you give uh, society work or or, you know, or in a different way, then it's also appreciated. Uh, with that, if we all work on a better society, uh, we make a better society, which makes us more happy. Uh, so, you know, we, it is not it's not so bad, you know. And and the same if if you want to be an artist, yeah, and you want to be a musician, yeah, that that's also if you're really a musician. Well, let let's look what the societal value is, um, uh, or for an artist, what the societal value is, uh, or a plumber, uh, and do it uh, and do it ourselves. But therefore, you have to go back to the region because then you together as a society, uh, the citizen society, what do we find important? You know, someone who is looking for for the forest uh, and 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 take the old trees out, uh, or leaving the dogs out, or helping old people, or helping. Uh, young children or educate young children uh, the deeper wisdom of of life these, these are important uh, societal um, uh, aspect now if that is valued then you make a, mad, a better society and i think we we have to to go there and it's not something that that i decide or top down is being decided what's important no as a society you have to say that you know what do we find important and then act upon it and appreciate it and value it. I mean, I appreciate what you're doing. You know, what you're yeah. doing is also a societal contribution. I hope so. Uh, you, yeah. yeah, you have a good channel, and you want to distribute that. I'm very grateful to that because I'm a writer. Uh, I want to uh, that that a lot of people read my books. Huh? Um, so we have uh, uh, and mutual you know, interests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have mutual interest. Now uh, I'm uh, sitting for two hours in your show. Uh, and then I say, okay, I'll do that for you. Uh, and then uh, you come two hours here and leave my dog out. I'll bring mine. <laughs> They'll have a great time. <laughs> but then when we look at that, and again, I think it's the idea of where can this also be on the negative side of things? If we look at, are you familiar with Yomi Park? She is a dissident from North Korea, managed to escape. Uh, her book is um, makes for a fascinating read, but one of the things that she talks about there is that in order to get some kind of funds, because in North Korea, being a communist country, it's not so easy for people to get by. Her father worked uh, in the market trading things, which also was illegal. Things like that, something that, again, would seem innocuous, a man going to trade to provide value and get some value back in so that he could get his kids' clothes, food, etc., etc. If we're getting into a society whereby everything is monitored, it's going to be far more difficult for people to function independently or truly independently than everything. You're going to be completely dependent on whether or not someone sees you as valuable so again, we come back almost in a way in swings of roundabouts to this idea of social credit. Again, and I know, you know, over time, this is something that's going to develop. That's why you have the website societyforth.org for people to come together and further develop these ideas as well. And by no means is, is what your book is, is today, the way you envision everything being implemented in society. There's always room for growth, growth and improvement. But a notion of social credit has so many dangers attached to it. There has to be yeah, some... But, but, again, but, but then again, you know, uh, a social credit score is a system in China uh, and also in other parts of Asia 
which is an example of a top-down society in which a small group decides what to do for the larger public. Yeah, that's the whole system. And uh, uh, communism has been exactly the same as a feudal uh, feudal age, but then the landowners were replaced by yeah by by citizens forming a party, but basically they behaved exactly the same. Yeah, so there's not much difference in North Korea. That's still the same. You know, it's a communistic top-down system in which people have no freedom. You know, uh, we have also seen that in Eastern Germany. Yeah, they are also uh, behind the Iron Curtain, having no uh, in the democratic system no freedom and and by the way no money also. So that's exactly the opposite what I want. The only thing that I say is we we all need all to be free. Yeah, we are free, but if you want to represent others, then you meet, need to to meet the criteria of integrity and competence. Yeah? That's the only thing I do. You're always free unless you say, I want to re represent the people and then you give all your information because they have to check whether you're integer uh, and, uh, and and competent. Um, and so, um, and, and furthermore, you know, um, if you, if you uh, more bottom up, you know, as a, um, as a society, as, Humanity, you make the decisions together yeah, in a more democratic way, and you do it in a way that is valuable for society, uh, and you appreciate people being themselves and build up a new society. Uh, I, I agree with you. You know, I don't have all the answers. You know, uh, I, I have no ultimate wisdom. You know, I don't have that. Uh, but it's, I, I work on this for ten years, so I have some background. You know, and I have some Absolutely. experience. Uh, That's why we're here. Yeah. And I, I'm. People say I'm a good writer, and I try to share them with people and invite people uh, to improve my ideas. And and if if, if there are people who are re readers or listeners to your your show, say, well, you know, it's it's a nice book, but I have some better ideas. I'm open to it, you know, um, because the, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Yeah? yeah, most of the people who think they know everything don't know anything, you know, basically. So if if you have good ideas. And and I, I'm very open to it. And let's do it. And but there's one thing that I want to mention uh, also. With I see your eyes, you know, and and the way you try to formulate uh, questions. Um, um, I think there's a good way to make a better future, and it's much better for your for your healthcare, uh, for your health in general. Um, is that you focus on positive things, because if you have hope, and it can be better and you want to work on a better society, that's better for your health. And complaining about things that are not good and about people that are not good, about system that fall, that's negative energy, you know? Um, and and people are already, yeah, a little bit, um, yeah, what you say with uh, psychological problems uh, and depression and all that. And it is also because there's too much negative information. There's so many negative information, people get depressed of that. And the thing is, uh, to to tell those people, also to the people from your show, you know, believe in the future is going to be better. You know, the system where we come on is is a dirty world. You know, it's a broken world in where money is more important than people. Um, in, in material things are more important than the, than your than your soul. Uh, so there are a lot to improve, and let's do it together. And if you focus on the positive thing, you work on a better society in Society 4.0. You work on being uh, being a better person uh, in Sapiens 4.0, uh, and together we make a better future. So if we take the positive stance uh, and collectively stand up 
make a better world. Um, don't forget, the elite has only one enemy, a united people. And if a united people has a positive uh, energy and they want to build on a better world, that's exactly what's going to happen. I think that's really beautifully put. And I already had uh, my question in mind, which does have a bit of negativity to it. So I apologize in advance. Don't given do that. that the, <laughs> my question well, was going to be... There, there, there are enough people who want to complain. No, so invite other but, people if you want to complain. You know, that's not my, me. My question was, what in what way can we then as the people start moving this what way can we flap the butterfly's wings to get the ball moving to increase the amount of steam behind us and the negative aspect of it was we've seen Ritter's government fail twice and he's still there so what way can we you know let's say third time's the charm move this forward okay well for, first is um realize we are in a marathon and not a sprint, okay? It takes time, yeah? So you need to be patient. Uh, it will not flip overnight, okay? It will take some time. So that's one. Yeah? So stay put, yeah? be, 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 be constant because it's going to change, that's one. And second, if you look in the society, you see all kinds of small initiatives. There are many, you know? In every country where I come, I see small initiatives from a local community, from a local school, from a church. You know, there are so many initiatives going on. And these are these are the small initiatives that have to grow. And together, if you combine that, you create a better society. So if you want to, to, uh, to be active, look at the initiatives that you like, uh, that are close to where your heart is and where your competence is. Start working. Then you're building a new society. Uh, then you work with people that also want to build a society, which is good for the positive uh, positive stand. And look at the things that are good at the moment and look at the initiatives that are doing well and go there and work on that and, and start uh, making a better society. Then you meet a lot of nice people that makes you very happy and you also make a better society. So focus on the positive things. There is enough. If you're open to it, there's so much uh, beautiful things that, that are happening. That's something that we haven't quite touched on yet. This element of there are many people out there. You're someone who's in a, an important position. You're a professor at a well-respected, well-known university. And to write this book and to come out and say the things that you have come out and said, a lot of people may have refused to do so, but you've done so in a way that has looked to bring light to an otherwise cloudy situation and provide a positive outlook here. How has it been received on your side of things? And how has it been, you've mentioned you've traveled to places in order to, to talk about this. How has that been for you? And have you seen more movement over the last few years since the publication of the book and everything as well? Oh, that, that's an enormous change. Um, as I said, you know, I was in the Netherlands, uh, probably uh, the first to understand what is going on uh, because of my research. <clears throat> Uh, and um, in the beginning of uh, 2020, when I told my stories, uh, folks, this is not a healthcare crisis, something else is going on. People were looking at me, they were still in a fear, uh, you know, and, and they didn't want to hear my message and they were angry at me, you know. If I have a presentation, there were only 20 people, you know, somewhere in, a, in, in the backside of a, of, of, a, of a house or a restaurant. And if I compared it now three years later, you know, there, there are large 
uh, audiences, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands of people uh, who understand this is not a healthcare crisis. They understand that there's something else going on. And they're looking for people with a positive message and also a message that uh, that is convincing to them. And that's the thing. And that, of course, uh, I have a position as a university professor. Um, but I see that there's not so much status, but that's my role in the current ecosystem. Uh, in the ecosystem, in the transformation to a new society, you need all kind of people, uh, also plumbers and all kind of other people. You also need, but you also have people who can write and think and stand up the, uh, uh, on 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 uh, somewhere in a, in a, in a, in a room, uh, and and tell people what's going on, uh, and 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 inspire them uh, to start moving. That is my role in the, in the ecosystem. And there's so much difference between uh, three years ago and now that is incredible. You know. Uh, I was hated in the beginning by many. Uh, now there are only few people who don't like me. Uh, only the people that have a different perspective than me, of course. Uh, you can imagine who that, are, who that is. Uh, but most of the people um, <clears throat> find my story convincing. Uh, the positive story uh, and the positive attitude they have uh, to build something new uh, give them energy. Um, and I got, yeah, there's so many people and organizations coming to me and said, I believe in you and, and let's do it. That's an enormous difference. Uh, uh, it's hard, hard to manage for, for me anymore. So um, that's fantastic yeah. to hear that it's gotten yeah. to the point where it's difficult to manage for you as one person. That That is a, a bright spark in, in the grand scheme of things. And I think that's also, uh, a nice way to to begin to wrap up if people want to find out more about this where can they find you where can they find your works and and if they wanted to implement something in their local society how can they go about doing that yeah uh well first uh, i would uh, recommend to to read my uh, my uh, my writings of course uh society 4.0 uh there is uh, i wrote a second book democracy 4.0 that's in dutch but it is now being translated so that uh, that will come uh, from Society 4.0, there's also a Turkish translation. Um, uh, yeah, wow. in, yeah. In the Netherlands, there are a lot of Turkish people, and they're very enthusiastic about uh, about Society 4.0. So it is uh, translated in Turkish. It's in the, the bookshelf already. Wow. Uh, we are going to promote it in in Turkey. Um, uh, Democracy 4.0 will also be translated in English and probably also Turkish in other countries. Furthermore, you can go to our website, uh, Society 4th.org which is the website that supports uh, what, what we are doing. Yeah, furthermore, I've delivered a lot of speeches and uh, and, and podcasts, uh, some of them also in English, in India and in America. And, and so so uh, apart from your fantastic uh, show, uh, there are other, other contributions ways to find that gave as well. Yeah. Um, so that's a way to uh, to get into it. Um, and yeah, what we're doing is we're helping uh, with our corporation, Society for Bordeaux, to build a better society. At the regional level, as I said, you know, so the basis of the future society is at the regional level. So we are building independent regions uh, and we have already 60 or seven regions that we are talking about uh, to, uh, to, to be part of our uh, movement. Uh, not only in the Netherlands, but also in Belgium and Germany and, uh, and also in Kenya and Switzerland and South Africa. And so uh, basically step by step by step by step. Uh, the message uh, is uh, spreading around. Uh, and so if you want to be active and you want to be part of our movement, Society 4.0, uh, 
contact us. You can go to our website, you find the contact details. Then we will help with uh, some, um, some knowledge how to build up a better society in, our, in your own region. Uh, we have the information, the knowledge that, that, you, uh, that you need to build up a society on, on health, on food, on uh, decentral interne internet, about uh, democratic decisions, about uh, learning and developing uh, all kind of uh, societal domains. Uh, and then start working on uh, in your own region and build up a better society for you. And uh, if you're a lot older, then also for your children and grandchildren. Let's start and making a better world together. Fantastic. Bob, look, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been an enlightening conversation. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks for the invitation. It was a pleasure.